It is Monday, October 17th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the week six recap edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, for this one is Adam Krautwurst. And Adam, it's gray, it's wet, it's gloomy in Rochester, but pretty sunny to be a Bills fan right now after the way yesterday's game went, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. I'm disappointed they didn't beat them by more. <laughs> um, they did cover the spread, though, which is good enough for me. I was surprised that we didn't get more points from that game. But so, you know, it didn't end up being truly disappointing on that front, but a little bit less than I would have guessed going in. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it more whenever we get there. But, you know, the both drives, for, both opening drives for both teams were full field drives that ended up in zero in turnovers. So it's like that could have easily been 14 quick, quick points right off the bat. Mm-hmm. We'll start in a different game because we're going to go in order from early to later games. And we'll go with a more surprising game, really. Falcons 28, 49ers 14 in this one. You know, it's shocking that the Falcons would beat the 49ers by two touchdowns. But from a fantasy standpoint, we like the big game for Brandon Ayuk just because it kind of reminds us that he's capable of getting it. I don't know that there's a whole lot to take away other than if the 49ers fall behind and throw the ball a lot more than they usually do. They will involve Brandon Ayuk going forward. Yeah, it was good to see out of Ayuk. Hopefully everyone started him, I mean, with bye weeks and injuries and stuff. I, I have him in very few spots, but where I do have him, I was able to start him because, you know, you kind of had to this this week. Great to see him get going. Great to see him them, like get him involved in like short screen stuff. He scored on one of those and get him involved deep down the field early, um, which uh, – should have opened things up for others. I mean, Debo got his touches too, but, um, but yeah, they struggled off uh, offensively outside of like the first, um, the f- second quarter. I think they really exploded first and second quarter. After that, they kind of fell apart, but I looked, looked really good. Yeah. And that it was the surprising struggles for me. Um, Jeff Wilson jr. Only got seven carries in this game because they spent a lot of it trailing, you know, that's going to kill a rushing volume. I'm not sure how much to take away from that. Ty Davis price returned for this game from injury only played one snap. So we'll see if he's just well behind both Wilson and Tevin Coleman, or if they're easing him back in coming off of short-term IR. And then, you know, in a few weeks, we've got Elijah Mitchell coming back as well. So this is going to get to be a very crowded backfield very soon. And we'll see, you know, exactly how much room there is for everybody. Yeah. I'm thinking it'll be Elijah Mitchell's backfield. Uh, when, when, when he comes back, Elijah and probably Je- Jeff Wilson. Um, yeah, it was disappointing to see Coleman not get more in a pseudo revenge game against, against the Falcons. But yeah, with that, with that trailing game script that, uh, that became a problem. You know, Jimmy didn't play well either. I mean, he threw, you know, some bad picks, one into triple coverage. So, um, it's just as weird that the Falcons are winning these football games. <laughs> it sure is. Kyle Pitts returned to this piece of hamstring injury, scored a touchdown, you know, didn't get that many opportunities, did run 14 routes. That's not a lot total, but it was right with Drake London and Alameda Zacchaeus as the team leaders for the Falcons. So the low volume passing offense is going to continue to hurt, but there was nothing to truly dislike about Kyle Pitts's role yesterday. Right, exactly. I mean, he scored. Of course, Michael Pruitt opens the game with a touchdown for the Falcons. It's like he's doing it on purpose now. Now, now the Falcons are doing it on purpose, me- meaningfully trying to not throw the ball. It's Kyle Pitts. Uh, they scored. And Mariota had another rushing score later, where Pitts was from the five yard line, where Pitts wasn't even on the field. But he does score on a you know single coverage down on, on, on the left slant route. So easy. I'm screaming. Before the play, like he's in single coverage throw. Mariota looks the safety off. It's so easy. He just, he just makes it look so easy. But you're right with the with the, the game script. You know the thing about the Falcons was we were hoping okay they're going to be they stink they're going to be trailing and they're going to have to throw uh, all season long and they haven't. They've been in close games. They've been winning games. This game was another example of them not having to throw. Um, you know he got like you said he was second on the team I think in, in, in targets, but that's only only the three. You know, so for him to score was just awesome. He was able to, um, he was able to get in your starting lineup, but um, three targets stinks. But again, they only threw the ball f- 14 times. They do have matchups with the Bengals and the Chargers among the next three weeks. Of course, surrounding that, they also have two with the Panthers coming up one with the Bears, one with Washington, one with Pittsburgh. So, I mean, those games could very well find them not throwing the ball a whole lot as well. We'll see where it goes. Got to at least like the matchup with Cincinnati next week for some scoring potential. In the Atlanta backfield, Tyler Algier trailed Caleb Huntley by one carry and did not get a target in this game. Did still lead the backfield in playing time. Ran 12 routes versus five for Huntley and Avery Williams combined. So 
Like if you need a Falcons running back, I would still lean Tyler Algier. I think the big takeaway is let's hope that you don't need a Falcons running back. Right, right. And they they actually, I mean, they ran the ball down the Niners' throat the whole game. They were doing whatever they wanted. Um, but yeah, it was split up. Algier, 15 carries. Huntley, 16 carries, you know. Um, routes run was, was to Algier. So yeah, you're really just waiting for Cordell to come back to get, uh, to get the pass down and the, and the rundown work. Mm-hmm. They're at Cincinnati, as I mentioned in week seven. So we'll see how the game flow goes there, but the Bengals defense has been tougher than we expected. So it's not necessarily a pushover, um, matchup. Not that San Francisco was a pushover matchup. We would have figured that they would have more right. trouble gaining yards and scoring points in this one. Any other takeaways before we move on to the next game? No, I think that's it. Patriots 38 Browns 15. And I think Adam, that sometimes we overrate the idea of the Patriots taking away your top thing on offense. Sometimes I think people go into a game and just assume that and they downgrade a receiver or tight end or whatever. I think in this game, the Patriots reminded us that if, if an offense is kind of too heavy on one area, they are capable of focusing on that area and limiting it. Um, I haven't, you know, I'm not a, a tape grinder. I don't know how much of it was Patriots defense and how much of it was Patriots offense jumping ahead in the second half and taking the Cleveland running game out of it. But, you know, we got disappointing rushing production from the Browns heading into this game that looked like it was set up for quite a bit more. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brissett opened the game with a with, with the pick, I think on like the first or second play of the game. You know, there were no really points scored in the whole first quarter. It was a defensive grind battle. Um it, you know, yeah, the Patriots have a fine defense, you know, especially it's easier to take the run game away too when the quarterback is Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's been fine or whatever, but he doesn't really scare you um, for sure. So, yeah, they, they were able to take to take the run game away. Um, what was interesting was, though, that the Browns were down basically the, the whole game and Kareem Hunt only saw one target. Like, that was, the, that was a weird thing. I was kind of excited to get, uh, not excited, but I thought this would have been a Kareem Hunt game if in, in, in these losing game scripts. You know, Chubb had a nice c- catch and run, so they got him involved a little bit in, in the passing game. But, yeah, it was just a weird kind of um, way they were distributing their, their, their targets there in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot we can take away from it on what the Browns did, just like a bad game. And let's hope that there's no – you know, kind of blueprint for defending against the Browns from this one on the new England side. We did not have Damian Harris playing in the game. He was apparently a game time call working out ahead of time, but was um, inactive for the game. I would guess that that makes him, you know, at least have a decent chance of returning in week seven. We'll see about that. Mac Jones got to figure there's some chance he returns in week seven. I can't help but roll my eyes every time that it is asked out loud whether there's a quarterback controversy. We have had three good games from Bailey Zappi, especially yesterday where he threw for 300 yards against the Browns, but we are talking about the quarterback that New England picked in the first round just last year. So I think, if anything, maybe the way that Bailey Zappi is playing allows the Patriots to be to, to take a little more time to be um, conservative in bringing Mac Jones back. But once Mac Jones is ready, he's the quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And again, a lot of it, and he threw for 300 yards on the road. Great, fine. That's that's what you want from him. But a lot of it was run after catch with the, I mean, Hunter Henry was wide open a couple times. Johnu Smith had a couple run after catch, uh, big plays. A lot of the targets were to the, were to the running backs. I mean, it was just an ugly, you know, low, low A dot game. Um, I'm trying to look here. Yeah. The tar- we had, you know, five targets to Ramondre Stevenson. We had nine targets to the tight ends. I mean, a lot of it was kind of the underneath stuff with the run after catch. So yeah, I think what Zappy does, he gives them time to be able to kind of hold on to, to, to Mac Jones there. Um, it's nice to see the Pats tight end get, get involved now. You know, Hunter Henry had a touch, had a touchdown and he had, he had one called back to where he kind of stepped out of the back of the end zone there. Um, John U. Smith looked great for the run after the catch. Like I said, they combined for, for nine targets. So, um, I think that's probably their best offense is running the ball and getting, getting those tight ends involved on, on the play action. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw some trade questions about Ramondre Stevenson heading into this game. I think right now is a great time to look at the possibility of trading away Stevenson. Certainly not somebody that you need to get rid of because even when Damian Harris comes back, Stevenson's obviously going to at least be, you know, splitting the backfield with him. He's given us usable fantasy numbers before Harris went down, but Harris is about to come back, whether it's the coming week or after that. Uh, it's going to cut into the available work. We just got two really big games from Stevenson. So, you know, the where he went in drafts, there's a pretty good chance that there are some fantasy players out there that have multiple running backs that can afford to shop Ramondre Stevenson. So for me, he's one of the bigger 
um, try to sell high players this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that, you know, he was RB2 this this week and, you know, Damian Harris is coming back. I mean, the, the Patriots want to run the ball. Roger Stevenson is the best running back on that team. I certainly would not give him him away, but you can probably find someone to take him um, and get and get some get some good value back in, in return. So, um, so yeah, I, I certainly think he's worth he's worth tr- trading. But you're gonna you know it wouldn't be bad to hold on to him either because he's he's gonna have some some big games too. Yeah, certainly not somebody to just give up for whatever you can right. get. Somebody to shop to see if you can get a really big return coming off of the two big games he just had. Packers 27 or Packers lose 27 to 10 to the Jets. Speaking of big games, the primary takeaway for me from this game, Adam, is something that I already knew. The Packers are not that good this year. The second biggest takeaway for fantasy purposes is that week five was the outlier for AJ Dillon's use. The playing time yesterday for AJ Dillon was nearly identical to that of Aaron Jones. He beat him by one carry, beat him by one target. That has been the way for every game outside of the London loss to the Giants. So for now, I mean, until it happens again, unless it happens again, we throw out that Giants game and just consider A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones to be, you know, even partners in this backfield. Yes, even partners, but Aaron Jones is so much better <laughs> of an actual player. I mean, A.J. Dillon's so slow. I mean, it's just enough, enough already. But, um, yeah, the, the, pack, the, the Packers stink. They don't, uh, they don't, they don't have a lot of firepower in offense. And even Aaron Rodgers was just saying yesterday in the post game interview, like, listen, like these are the players that we have. These are the receivers that we have. We have to simplify it. Like they're trying to get, they're trying to do, to do too, too much. Um, so maybe that's better for, for, for the run game. Maybe it's just going to be a lot, a lot more of the, of Jones and, and Dylan, um, you know, but what, what was easy is Robert Tanyan was really, it, it was very easy for Robert Tanyan yesterday these simple out routes, these drag routes, you know, Rogers is finding him all, all over the field, 12 targets, which is amazing for a tight end, but it just looked easy. So maybe, maybe even he'll get, get more involved here moving forward. But this, this offense just isn't very good. And now this game, they were trailing for a lot of it and by quite a bit. So that I'm sure helped Robert Tunyon's time on the field. This usage was certainly out of line with what we've seen so far. But if the Packers aren't that good, then there are going to be other times where they're trailing. So Robert Tunyon's definitely not a gimme going forward, but he is certainly somebody who's going to be in the mix. Top 15, I would say, weekly going forward. Yeah, for for sure. He's in that mix after, you know, we always talk about it, like after tight end eight or nine. He's uh, he's certainly startable after that. And on the Jets side, Brees Hall is awesome, and you yeah. should try not to use the passing game because that's what the Jets are doing. Yeah, Brees Hall is so good. Uh, Zach Wilson stinks. He's just so to his pocket presence, like uh, his arm talent is great. Like he he throws a incomplete ball in the end zone. Uh, it was contested, almost a touchdown uh, early in the game where he's rolling right, heading to the sidelines, and the throw looks incredible. So his, his arm talent's there, but just the he doesn't know where to go with the ball, his pocket presence, he's running into sacks. I mean, he had one that was comical uh, where he runs into a defensive player that doesn't even see standing there. Um, and it's too bad. Like the, the Jets receivers aren't, aren't, aren't startable at this, at this point. If, if the team is, is better than we think, kind of, kind of like the Falcons, the Jets are better than we think their defense is playing better. They're getting punt returns for touchdowns. Like if they're going to play, play with leads, these Jets receivers are not startable. And um, I mean, Elijah Moore went public yesterday. He was like, Hey, I'm happy we're, we're winning, but zero <laughs> targets just is, is impossible for a guy that's that good. So we'll see moving forward, but I would, I would be benching these jet, these jets receivers. Braxton Berrios apparently oh. has a better chance of running for a touchdown than Elijah Moore has of catching a touchdown. Incredible. <laughs> he also, you know, the two touchdown runs in consecutive games are obviously a little bit fluky, but he also has half as many catches as Elijah Moore on the season, eight catches to 16 for more. That's something that shouldn't happen. So, I mean, as you said, just like the way that this offense is the way that the coaching staff does not want to rely on Zach Wilson, which is smart. Yeah. Um, and just the crowd that's there, it, it makes it hard to use any of those guys, at least until Joe Flacco comes back. Right. That would be that. That's what they need. They need Flacco <laughs> to come back. Uh, Hall almost had a, had a second touchdown too. They ran a little wildcat with him and he got made a great play, made a guy miss hurdled and was down at the half yard line. And, uh, he almost had a second one there, but, um, there are, there are, there are bigger days for Hall coming too. 
Colts 34, Jaguars 27. The Jaguars are not as good on offense or defense as we wanted to believe a few weeks ago. Certainly not terrible on either side, but you know, where they're they're evening out right now and showing us what we should actually expect. We had three rushing touchdowns by Jacksonville yesterday, zero of them by either Travis Etienne or James Robinson. <laughs> this game, such a simple game, isn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah, they they're, they're everyone's running wild. I mean, Etienne ran wild. He just he just he didn't get in the end zone, but uh, yeah, that's that's tilting. Jamichael Hasty with uh, with a sixty yard or whatever it was, seventy yard touchdown run with, on two carries. But um, I saw that highlight. The highlight comes up, and I just started laughing. Of course, every time my kids are like, "What? What's happening?" I'm like, "I could explain it to you. It's not going to make any right. sense." And by the time I explained it, you'd be like, "That's not funny." <laughs> that's right. It's just it's this Jag, the whole Jags offense. Every time you're like, "Oh, it's going to be this guy." It's you know, it's Tim Tim Jones breaking it. To you. You're like, oh, who's that guy? Oh, Tim Jones down to the one yard. They're like, oh my god, Jamal Agnew down to the. Oh no, it's not my guy. You know, at least at least Christian Kirk got in got in the end zone. Um, only saw five five targets. Evan Ingram again led the team in targets, but can't find the end zone either. Um, but he's he, he's been fine for 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 fantasy rosters. Uh, with the, with the horrible tight end uh, position that we have out there, but. Uh, yeah, they just Trevor Lawrence, man, just can't just it, it isn't throwing touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, because he was running for him yesterday. He and had two short yardage scores. So I mean, you know, it was a it was a fine game for the offense overall. Even Trevor Lawrence went 20 of 22 passing. So they just didn't throw the ball that much. They ran it uh, more than 30 times. They get home dates with the Giants, Broncos, and Raiders in the next three weeks. So those should be good for any of the offensive pieces at their relative levels. Obviously we'll, you know, project those out to show exactly where we have those guys each week, but nothing to, to fear in those matchups other than somehow finding a way to lose to the giants at the end of next week's game, because that's how the giants operate right now. That, yeah, that is true. And like you said, 20 to 22, 90% completions for 165 yards. I mean, that's impossible, you know? So he saved his day with two, two rushing scores. Lawrence did, but, um, but yeah, we'd like to see a, a couple more passing scores. Mm-hmm. That is a solid seven and a half yards per pass attempt. So, you know, tough to complain too much. Um, and then, uh, as you said, it was nice to see the yardage from Travis Etienne. Nothing really changed in his role, though. He split time with James Robinson, grabbed a few, grabbed two fewer carries, you know, did OK in the passing game. But he, he's still the number two back there. And if they fall behind, then, you know, he's probably going to get more opportunities than if they're leading. Absolutely. Deion Jackson on the other side, 12 carries, 42 yards and a touchdown, 10 targets, <laughs> caught all of them for 79 yards before a late quad injury knocked him out for the game. Uh, there's not a whole lot to take away from that other than they didn't have any other running backs left. So it was Matt Ryan and he likes to throw the ball to running backs. There was one available. Uh, what I was more surprised by is 11 targets for Paris Campbell. I don't know where those came from. It was the first time this season that he played every offensive snap. Although that was up just a little bit from 92% the week before it was also his first game with more than four targets this year. So it, it's nice. I'm not going to buy his usability until I see more of it though. Yeah. Real quick with Deion Jackson. If you're wondering what type of game Naheem Hines was going to have Thursday night football, that was it. RB one before, before he got hurt. And Deion, Deion uh, Jackson is also the best running back on the Buffalo bills. If he was on the bills too. So Buffalo go, go, go get Deion Jackson. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see uh, Paris Campbell. Yeah. I mean, again, another receiver out of, out of Ohio state, right. There's it just couldn't, you know, hasn't, hasn't been healthy. Got him involved. Um, look great. They, they all looked great. Yeah. Yesterday, my, my, Michael Pittman, you know, the defense, their Jags were running a lot of man defense and they were just killing them with, with, with these drag routes. Um, but it was nice to see him out there. 81 snaps more than any other receiver out, out there. Um, tied for the team leading routes run, uh, 10 targets. So yeah, I mean, this is all good for Matt, for, for, for Matt Ryan. Um, Pierce ends up saving his day with a beautiful long touchdown on a, on a fade. So Pierce looked great. This offense was, was, was clicking, to throw in the ball, the, the O line's elite. They can give Matt Ryan to time to throw. So, um, just sneaky good offense and moving forward. It was nice to see Pittman kind of have a bounce back game here. They do have a matchup at Tennessee in week seven. That should be a fine spot for any offensive pieces here. Um, we'll see beyond that because we've had a lot more bad than good from the Colts on offense. Should get Jonathan Taylor back soon. You know, he was trending toward being a possibility for this one. Naheem Hines coming off a concussion, so he shouldn't be out too much longer. So, you know, Deion Jackson, a nice story yesterday. Probably not a factor come week seven. And then we'll see about the health of everybody heading into that game. 
Vikings 24, Dolphins 16. And honestly, this game pisses me off more than any other on the slate because mm-hmm. if Teddy Bridgewater was healthy enough to play in a football game after somebody else went down, then why wasn't he just starting the football game? I, so I haven't, I don't know if it's out there from Mike McDaniel saying why they went in this direction, but the only explanations are either one, they're um, faking caution for the player to make sure he's healthy after the Tua situation, which is obviously fake. If you do put Teddy Bridgewater into the game after Skylar Thompson goes down or uh, like overconfidence in your own game planning by saying, well, Skylar Thompson's the guy who's been in there. He's the one we've been working on the game plan with. So he's in this week's game plan. We're going to stick with him over Teddy Bridgewater. That's BS. If that's the belief of the coaching staff anyway. So either way, it pisses me off because if we had Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback for this game, then I would love Tyree kill Jalen Waddle and Teddy Bridgewater for the matchup. And all these guys would have been plenty usable. Instead, we had Skylar Thompson coming in as a starter, <laughs> even with Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. To play football, apparently. So we had Thompson go down. Bridgewater came in, did what we would have guessed he would do against a bad Vikings defense. And you know, if you started Tyree kill or Jalen Waddle, you got rewarded. You're just fired up because Mike Gusecki was tight end one. That, that, that's why you're upset. Actually, no. I'm pissed off because I, I benched Tyreek Hill in one spot where I shouldn't have. But I certainly wouldn't have if I had known he had an NFL quarterback. Right. No, I get it. And, yeah, I think I think it probably has to do with – I think it's a little bit of both of what you were saying. But it probably has to do with maybe during the week, um, Skylar Thompson getting most of the you know first-team reps or whatever because the Bridgewater was hurt. But um, the, the good thing moving forward, though, is to see that it doesn't matter really – if it's Bridgewater, if it's Tua, like they're going to get their guys the ball and they're going to they're, they're going to be fine. So I mean, even when Skyler started started the game, you know there was there was fantasy points to, to be had there, you know. So um, so yeah, it was just it was it's they're going to it's a, it's a funnel. Tyreek's getting get his all the all the top guys there are going to are going to get theirs. Mike McDaniel knows where to go with the football. Yep. In the backfield, um, Chase Edmonds played a lot more than the previous week, played fairly close to Raheem Mostert just in time on the field, matched him with two targets, but barely carried the ball, only two carries. So it's clearly Raheem Mostert's backfield. And then we had Miles Gaskin as a healthy scratch. So we've got Raheem Mostert, clear leader, Chase Edmonds, RB2, backfield still, you know, nothing thrilling. Yeah, and listen, don't I wouldn't be dropping Edmonds. Where he mostrates the starter until he's hurt. <laughs> like it's not like he's gonna be a bell cow all, all year long. Like every running back's go going down. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's gonna miss a month. Like Mostert's going to get hurt. Edmonds is fine. Hold on, hold on. You just you just can't start him until until where he mostrates go, goes down. Um, but uh, but but yeah, for the most part, you're gonna start all the other all the other targets there. Waddle, Tyree Kill combined for 25 targets. Like keep those guys in in, in your lineups. On the Vikings side, not a whole lot to take away, but Dalvin Cook did get back to dominating the receiving usage in the backfield. Um, just one target, but 19 to four in routes ahead of Alexander Madison. Now for this game, it was Madison, the one who was questionable coming in with a shoulder injury. So maybe that factored into Madison not getting on the field for for receiving situations. The whole team gets a, a bye in week seven to get healthier. So we'll see where we're at on the other side. It hasn't really affected the startability of Dalvin cook to this point, having him get fewer routes the previous two weeks. But obviously if he reclaims that area, it only makes him a stronger play across fantasy formats. Yeah. This is a weird game for them. It's, they started slow. Uh, I think they only had 15 total yards with like six minutes left in the second, second quarter. Like it just started slow. And then they kind of, um, exploded person according to, you know, over 15 yards, it exploded at, after that compared to that. Um, but, um, yeah, it was weird. Uh, cook only had, I think 53 of the 77 yards came on the, a carry late, late in the game. So he kind of saved your game there with the 53 yard touchdown. Only, only one target for him, which is, it's tough, man, because like all these running backs were taken in the first round. Like those guys got to be bell cows. They got to be, they got to be getting catches. They got to be getting targets and goal line work, all that stuff. And cook just isn't getting all, all that stuff. So he saved the day with a 53 yard score, but we'll see how, how they look moving forward. Um, one target stinks. Yeah. If we get that kind of route participation going forward, then it should get better than that. He did have five and six targets back in the first two games of this season. But since that shoulder injury has gone zero two two one in the past four games. So, you know, again, we'll see where that usage is once uh, the team is back from by and both he and Madison are 
you know, back closer to full health. Anything else from this game? Um, I think that's it. They could have, you know, Miami could have scored a lot more points. Waddle fumbled a little late in the game. So they, they, they left some points on the board, but um, I think that that's pretty much it. Bengals 30 saints, 26. We had a magical Taysom Hill game a week ago. This time we just had five carries, 39 yards, two or four passing 16 yards, no targets on his five pass routes and 15 total snaps. So this is the downside of Taysom Hill. And it's, you know, I, I don't say it like, told you so about Taysom Hill, but it's like we we just have to make sure that we keep all of it in mind. We play him for the upside, but this is more likely to be the kind of game he puts in. And I think it's worth noting that he only played 15 total snaps in a game where the Saints were missing their top three wide receivers. So if anything, there was even more incentive, not to mention Jameis Winston still being out. So if anything, there was more incentive to go like a little bit more off book with the game plan and get more Taysom Hill stuff in there. But, you know, it didn't happen was still the limited role for him. Didn't go off, obviously um, was still decently involved. The guy who was much better involved, Alvin Kamara, 19 carries team high, nine targets. So we like that. Yeah, we love, we, we love that. Yeah. It was a weird game. I'm mean, Hill did have that one nice long run there, but yeah, other than that, he wasn't, he wasn't too involved. Uh, yeah, nice to see Kamara. They were getting him involved in the run game, 19 carries, nine targets. They were on swing passes, arrow routes. Like that's what you want to do when you're missing uh, your top three receivers. And that's what you do it when you've got your top three receivers, because it's going to open the field up even, even more. I'm excited to see this offense <laughs> when they can get pseudo healthy. I mean, you know, we've got their top three receivers out and you know, word is that uh, Michael Thomas and um, who, not, not, not Olave. Um, I'm trying Travis to think of else they were saying. Yeah, it might have been Landry. And I think Kelly might have got hurt in this game. But yeah, Landry, Michael Thomas and Landry might not even be back next week either. So it's going to be – I'm excited about this offense where they can get all the, all the pieces back because they they – this coaching staff seems like they know what to do. I mean, they, they lost, but you know, to put up points in the Bengals like that with nobody, but, but Alvin Kamara is pretty imp- impressive. So let, let Chris Olave get back healthy, Michael Thomas, all these guys. Um, and uh, this offense could, could, could explode. They're playing Thursday night against Arizona, which challenges the return timelines yeah. for those injured receivers. Olave is coming off a concussion. Normally, uh, we've seen guys make it back in that time frame. Obviously, each concussion's different, so no lock. Anybody who makes it back in that pass catching quarter face Arizona gets an upside matchup. So we'll see yes. exactly who's available, and we'll see if Jameis Winston um, is back in the mix as well. It's it seemed like he was trending toward playing the past couple weeks, but hasn't quite made it back. So I'll be curious to see what the early uh, practice reports are for this one. Yeah, they were even saying that if Dalton plays well enough, he could hold hold on to the job. Um, we'll see about that. I mean, I, for fantasy, I would much prefer James Winston because he's a he's a he's a gunslinger. But um, we'll see. Mm-hmm. The Bengals delivered through the air in this one. Only ran the ball fourteen times, so disappointing numbers for Joe Mixon. He was at least efficient on his eight carries, forty five yards. We got ten targets apiece for Jamar Chase and T Higgins. So that's good news for T Higgins. Made it through the game on the iffy ankle that had him questionable caught six balls for 47 yards. So like, this is a good news, good news game. I think for T Higgins, because if you were worried about the ankle and didn't start him, you're glad to see him get through the game. And he also didn't have the kind of game where you're like, God, why did I not play T Higgins? Like 10.7 PPR points is fine. And if you played him, it worked out. There's a chance that you played somebody worse in his place, but it's also not like he went off. And it's leaving you kicking yourself. Like if you were a dope and took out Tyreek Hill. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was a win. I mean, Higgins finished. He right now he's, he's wide receiver 35 in PPR. So, I mean, unless you start, I mean, unless you started some player that was terrible over him. I mean, you had some, some duds though. You had Drake London was a dud. Mike Evans, you were going to start any, anyways, he was, he, he was a dud. But other than that, I mean, like I started, I started T Higgins in most spots, but I also started Juju in some spots over him, which I was ha- happy about finally. And we'll get, we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, Higgins didn't kill you. It's nice to see him get, he looked good in the game. He got out of the game healthy. And um, this Bengals passing attack was awesome yesterday. It's nice to see, again, some competent, like, hey, Marshawn Latimer's out of the game. Let's just go and throw the ball all over these guys. 300 passing yards. Chase was sensational. He had a 60-yard game-winning touchdown where he broke two tackles. Like, he's just so good. Um, they, they, I, I can't believe I have to say this. I need to get Jamar Chase involved more, more in the game. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it was nice to at least see them succeed in that area after really struggling through the first quarter of the season. Certainly missing some DBs for that Saints defense uh, didn't hurt. They have Atlanta coming to town in week seven, and I'm going to mm. go ahead and throw out the result for the 49ers and still call Atlanta quite a nice matchup for the Cincinnati offense this coming week. Ah, oh, that sounds incredible. I can't wait. Giants 24, Ravens 20. And I mean, you know, I guess at some point we have to stop being surprised that the Giants beat competent NFL teams because apparently they at least are decent at playing overall football, even if there's nothing that they do that's exciting right now. For fantasy purposes, no Giant ran more routes in this game than Daniel Bellinger. He had a team high five targets, caught them all and scored a touchdown in this one. Yeah, Ballinger's coming around. There was always a chance, like with no receivers, that eventually one of these, this 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 tight end would pop here. Um, but yeah, I mean they're winning. They're winning games against you know teams that are you know destroy. I mean no 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 Rashad Bateman. You know Lamar Jackson pukes all over himself and throws an interception there late, late in the game. They're 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 botching snaps. But um, yeah, no, it's hey a win a win's a win for the for, for the Giants. But listen, Sa- Saquon Barkley here, Wandale Wandale Robinson. Only had played 15 snaps at four targets, scored. Uh, looked like he looked like he struggled to catch the ball yesterday. Every time he got it, he's I forgot how he's bobbling. That's right, he's bobbling the ball. It's like his feet are moving faster than his, than his you know, his brain. But, um, but no, they're and we kind of knew that there was a chance that one they would get Wandale involved more because that's his third guy they they drafted him. Um, but still kind of easing him back in. But Bellinger, yeah, fine. If he again, five targets, not great, not not horrible, but um. But yeah, no, nice all around uh, game for the Giants. It must be nice to be able to have your feet move faster than your brain because I've always <laughs> had the opposite issue when I'm playing sports. <laughs> I wish Saquon Barkley's feet move faster than his brain falling down at the half yard line there. Come on. You, <laughs> yeah. he's, I think a score puts him up like 11. Like no one's coming back from 11 point. Get in the end zone. Come on. No, but it was the same thing with the Browns a couple weeks ago. They went, a, they, they went up by, I think it was 11 in that game. Or maybe it was 10, but either way, it was two scores. So you would think, oh, that's safe. You know, you don't need to run out the clock there. You just get the extra points. The other team's not going to do it. He's in a you know, it was one of those where I was like, crap. Obviously, it's a smart play, but couldn't you not make the smart play? You're a football player. Just act like an idiot and score that's a touchdown. Right. Fall into the end zone. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, Wandale Robinson, you mentioned, was fifth among Giants wide receivers in playing time for that game. But his four targets tied for second on the team did score that other touchdown pass. So we would assume that there's going to be more playing time for Robinson going forward. Nice to see him get into the end zone right away. We'll see whether Kadarius Tony still exists in the coming weeks. Yeah. On the Ravens side, J.K. Dobbins' knee tightened up for the second half. So he sat out that portion of the game. Kenyon Drake took advantage. That situation, you know, just kind of reminds us of the fragility of J.K. Dobbins' situation right now. So you can't overtrust him. And it makes all the Ravens backs around him stashable, you know, in, in leagues of various sizes, obviously not only is Kenyon Drake worth a stash in certain places right now where he wasn't already stashed. Gus Edwards is still worth stashing. He's going to be coming yeah. back soon. I know he's also coming off an ACL tear, but you know, we'll see exactly what's going on with him and his name. Yeah, it's going to be, it's a, you can't really start Dobbins now going forward, you know, until we see some consistency. I mean, he's looked good, but again, it's, it's, you know, if he's not going to play or if his knee's going to tighten up or whatever, um, we can't we can't trust him, especially if he's not going to catch passes when he's in the game. So it's just you got to sit him out. I hate that Kenyon Drake is number 17. Can I just say that? Like who I'm like, who is running the who is this guy running the fall? Oh, let's get Kenyon Drake. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. All these all these running backs are stashable because all they want to do is run the ball. And so, uh, yeah, get, get get yourself pieces of the of the Ravens bit backfield. Uh, Steelers 20 bucks, 18, another surprising result. I think on the Bucks side first, not, I'm not sure there's a whole lot to take away from this one for fantasy purposes, other than they had a bad game. It's probably going to happen again at some point, but I didn't see anything change in the way these guys were used or my expectations for this team going forward. Yeah. It's certainly the same every week. It's Deontay Johnson and Claypool kind of neck and neck for the league and for the lead in targets. And then Pickens is always right behind them. Uh, seven each for Claypool and Johnson and uh, six for Pickens. They're getting them involved more in the run game too, which I like, you know, two, two carries for Deontay, one each for Pickens and, and, and Claypool. So it's smart to get them, them involved there. Um, but again, this is, this, this is a tough bucks defense. We weren't expecting the Steelers to come in here and score a ton of points. They pulled out the win, but um, not a ton of points there. Uh, but we'll see uh, the, the schedule will certainly soften up moving forward. 
concussion for Kenny Pickett knocked him out of this one, brought in Mitchell Trubisky late. Whoever's the quarterback next week will get a positive passing matchup at Miami on Sunday night. So we'll see if Pickett trends toward being usable. You know, at, at this point, we should bet that he's out and that Mitchell Trubisky starts this one. Probably not usable in most fantasy formats. Probably doesn't make a whole lot of a difference for the Steelers wideouts for that particular game. So we'll track that through the week and see what happens. Um, Jalen Warren remained close to Najee Harris in receiving usage in this game, 12 routes to 17 for Najee Harris. And I mean, I get trying to find playing time for Jalen Warren, but this is a big knock on Najee Harris. Cause really, I think the only thing to like about him coming into the season was that he had this extreme receiving role. And if that's not extreme anymore, all we've got is just an okay running back in a bad offense and, with lackluster efficiency so far. So given that we had a touchdown catch from Najee Harris in this one, an okay rushing day, I would be trying to sell him really at any point that he's coming off a positive game. And I think the touchdown makes this one of those. Yes, I will. I would be looking to sell him as well. Yeah. Najee, any, anytime you score as, as a running back and finishes RB 16, that's not a good, that's not a, not a good sign. Like, and of course he scores on a pet and on reception early in the game. I actually benched Najee for, I forget who I benched him for, but uh, I was, I was regretting it immediately. And then I'm like, Oh, that ended up not being a terrible decision because he finishes RB six sixteen. He needs the pass volume. He needs the rushing volume. Um, again, in a game where they're, where they're winning, you know, Tib has, has a good, good defense. Again, we weren't expecting things out of Najee Harris. So it was kind of, he almost, it was nice to get to get that touchdown and have him finish his RB 16. You might, might be relieved. Uh, but Jalen Warren just looks awesome, right? He just looks more explosive. I think they even, I was a fourth and short or a third and short where they, where they gave the ball to, to Jalen Warren um, and not Najee. So we'll see moving forward here. I mean, you probably can't get much for, for Najee, but if, if you can coming off a touchdown game here, I would, I would certainly try to trade him. And there are plenty of running back needy teams out there. So it's Correct. at least worth checking into. And he's somebody that I, I, I wouldn't be scared of unloading for maybe even a little bit less than I would be hoping to get for him. Cause I, I haven't been excited about him at all. Nothing this season has made me feel any differently about his outlook. One other minor note, if Pat Fryermuth remains out, for week seven, Zach Gentry does not look usable. He split routes with uh, rookie Connor Hayward, split targets with him as well. So it's just a situation to avoid, even if you're needy at tight end. Rams 24, Panthers 10. And turns out, Adam, that things don't automatically get better if you take Baker Mayfield out of the lineup because uh, P.J. Walker threw for 60 yards here before leaving that game with a neck injury and giving way to Jacob Eason. Impossible. How do, how do you throw, how do we throw for say you, you would think just on like running around buying time and launching the ball up, you'd throw for more. It was not DJ more week. I was kind of saying that facetiously all, all week long, but it's not D, DJ more week. He got six targets fine, but what do you have? Like two catches for two yards or something like just so yeah, I think gross. He had seven yards. <laughs> Ugh, just so gross. So yeah. gross. Um, DJ more along with the jets receivers are benchable. Uh, for the rest of the f- until until we see something different, so yeah, maybe maybe it's not maybe it's not just a quarterback. Maybe it's maybe it's Robbie Anderson too. I mean, he he's he, he took a walk Antonio Brown style mid game. So we'll see how that turns out. But um, yeah, hey, maybe they get a quarterback back in a, re- in a return for a trade for CMC. We'll see. He at least <laughs> didn't remove any clothing on the way, but I got sent to the locker room in the fourth quarter of this game. Seemed like he didn't understand why it happened after the game. You can see him getting in the face of the coach. We've seen that on the sideline before. So it is a little surprising to see the coach send him away. It makes you wonder if it was something specific that Robbie Anderson said here. If it's just like trying to set a tone in the first game after they made the coaching switch, if there's, more of a history of stuff with Robbie Anderson, at least this season. I don't know. We'll see the, the only thing usable right now in Carolina is Christian McCaffrey. So if he does get traded away, it's just going to be an offense that we can ignore. Oh yeah. If he gets traded away, it's over for Carolina. We won't, we won't even cover him on the post game, uh, on the post game <laughs> podcast, but yeah, Christian McCaffrey was awesome. 13 carries, eight targets, just give him that every week and, and he'll, he'll be an RB one. And just to answer the question that's going to come up, um, who is the Panthers running back to own after McCaffrey gets traded? Nobody. Deontay None Foreman and Chuba Hubbard are going to split work in a garbage offense, and neither one is going to be helpful. Yeah, I, I agree there. I did preemptively try to grab 
like $1 shares of them only because with, you know, if he does get traded with injuries and bye weeks, like if you need someone to start to put in there, maybe one of them falls in for a touchdown if in an absolute miracle, but you know, having, having bodies once these injuries and bye weeks come up is, uh, is, is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're just looking to stash somebody, then sure stash either one, but they're also both on, you know, even footing as far as the amount of work they're going to get. So there's no, this guy over that guy in that Carolina backfield. And we'll see if Christian McCaffrey even gets traded. I doubt that Carolina is just going to give him up for whatever they, they should. Get. So we'll <laughs> see if another team does pay enough to get out. They certainly should. At they this should. Point. But you know, we'll, we'll see where this one goes on the Rams side. It was an okay game for the offense. The Panthers defense is not a pushover, so won't complain about not getting more from this Rams offense. We can expect Daryl Henderson to control this backfield going forward because apparently Cam Akers had his own Antonio Brown style confrontation or showdown or, you know, thing with the Rams coaches before this game. Nothing all that dramatic, but dramatic enough that he was a healthy scratch for this game and sounds like he's expected to get moved somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I... If people aren't going to trade for McCaffrey, why the heck are they going to trade for Cam Akers? I mean, it's not that he doesn't. Yeah, I guess he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't look good. He's not. He's not going to help anybody. But um, there's you know decent game here from Daryl Henderson. I wish. I hope the Rams just stay with Henderson the rest of the year and filter in. Like if if Henderson can get twelve carries and maybe three three to five targets every week, fine. You know he's startable. But um, but. Uh, you know, Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie Rivers, the, 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 the coming out point for Ronnie Rivers never happened. One carry one, one, one target, but this run game's kind of a, kind of a mess uh, for sure to say the least, but Henderson's definitely startable. <laughs> I was surprised that we didn't get more carries from Henderson in a game that they won Agreed. by 14 points. Yeah. Uh, he did play about three times the snaps of Malcolm Brown, who was the number two running back for this game. So I think we'll get better games from Henderson going forward. I, I, come away liking the um, usage and just, you know, liking that we can at least play one Rams running back going forward instead of dissecting how much time each of them is spending on the field and wondering if either is going to help us or if one is going to steal a touchdown from the other. Agreed. Seahawks 19 Cardinals nine. The biggest takeaway here, these Cardinals stink. They're going to spend the year doing a lot less on offense than they should based on the level of talent. So just factor that into your decisions about everybody in the Arizona offense going forward, making it worse. Marquise Brown was in a boot after this game with a foot injury. And that's especially bad timing for him because we've got DeAndre Hopkins eligible for week seven. And as I mentioned before, we've got Arizona playing on Thursday night. So we'll see whether Marquise Brown has a shot at playing in this game. We'll see about Hopkins' status, but I'm assuming he'll be ready to play in this game. We'll see if we find out anything about how much he's ready to play. This game should be a lot more exciting, New Orleans versus Arizona, than it is, because I, I, I'm not excited about it at all. I know it should be. It's because it's of the injuries, though, too. I mean, well, but, but hold on. Before we move on too further, I don't want to just gloss over Allen Robinson's coming out party here for, for, for the Rams. Okay. Yeah. he's he, I think he's wide receiver 14 right, right now. To fade route, it looked, it was a designed play for Robinson. Went up, caught it, looked beautiful. That's what we need going forward. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, but yeah, back, back to the Cardinals Seahawks. Yeah, it's it's with all these injuries, and the injury does, doesn't look good from hearing from all the Twitter doctors. It might be a Liz Frank re injury. It might be um, uh, turf toe or something of that nature. So there's there's no way he's playing. There's no way he's playing Thursday. Um, Hopkins is supposed to be back. So again, this whole like wait till we get Hopkins back for Kyler Murray, and now he loses Marquise Brown. But Rondale Moore looked 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 like he can play that Marquise Brown role a little bit. So I think they it might be okay, but it's just disappointing because we need we this offense needs all their weapons because Kingsbury is a dope. So like they need they need all these weapons. Uh, you know, Kyler opens the game with a forty yard run. Drive stalls at the, at the three. You know, next drive they get, get the ball, uh, get it, get inside the twenty. Kyler bounces a pass on fourth and four to a wide open Marquise Brown or yeah, Marquise Brown. So, you know, they're moving the ball up and down the field. They're just when they get that inside the ten, they're not they're not able to, to to punch it in. Cliff Kingsbury needs to leave football and go into marketing because he's clearly just like sold nothing here. His record as a coach is winning absolutely nothing with Patrick Mahomes as his college quarterback and now doing absolutely nothing with Kyler Murray and other offensive talent available in Arizona. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I don't know. I don't know what's, what's going on there. It's, they better forget, but at least like when they kind of first started, when, when he got there, they were doing some, some creative stuff down by the goal line. It was, you know, Kyler Murray was running for touchdown after touchdown because of what they were able, able to do with him. I don't know why they're not doing that with him down there. It's hard. It's, it's hard for him to throw the ball. I mean, he's like five foot nine. Like it's hard for him just to drop back in the red zone with nine body with the, 22 bodies. They're all bigger than he is. Get him outside the pocket, man. Do some creative things. With they're, just, they're, just, they're not doing it. We'll see whether James Conner's ready to play Thursday night. We'll see about Daryl Williams' knee. Uh, if if there's no James Conner, I think he just pass on this backfield um, if possible. We're getting to the part of the season where you might not be able to just pass on a backfield, but there are at least, I think, only two by teams in week seven, so it should be a better situation um, than this first. No, I'm wrong. There's four by teams. Buffalo, Rams, Minnesota, Philadelphia. I was looking ahead at week eight earlier. That's when we only have two by teams. Man, those are those are, those those are four tough buys coming up here with all the fantasy studs on those rosters. That's right. Seattle in this game, the offense a little bit disappointing uh, in a positive matchup with Arizona, but really I don't think there's a whole lot to take away other than that Kenneth Walker is here. Oh, yeah. Super disappointing. I mean, every team is smashed against, against Arizona. It would have been – Lockett and Metcalf weren't even involved in the first half. They only combined for 10 targets on the game. Now, I will give them credit. They were There was a bunch of other – kind of ancillary pieces that were, that were doing very well, but you know, um, but yeah, it would have been nice to see those two guys go crazy. Kenneth Walker is here. Uh, you know, he's real and he's spectacular, right? He's just, he's so good. He looked so quick. He looked like the study was coming out of Michigan, Michigan state. Um, we, we said it last week when he got the job, man, he could be a league winner, you know, uh, type pick in the ninth, 10th round with the, with that injury to Rashad Penny. So that's what it's looking like so far. And so uh, if you're, if you got him on your, on your roster, be super, super stoked. Cause um, he's going to be big time moving forward. Likes to see him get three targets in the game. Not sure how that happened. Cause he can't catch. So I don't know how we got through three targets, but we'll take 21 carries and three targets every week from Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I heard that he was allergic to passing snaps. So I was that's what I heard. That. That's what I heard too. I don't know. It's yeah. the weird, weird, weirdest thing. Twenty-one of twenty-three running back carries in this game. All three of the running back targets. So you gotta love that. Along with the production, ninety-seven yards and a touchdown on the ground. No offense, seven targets were nice, but we can't overrate that because he did still split time with Will Disley. So you know, it's the kind of game that's going to pop up because he's a talented player and he's in an offense where apparently they're not scared to keep it away from the star wideouts, but uh, nothing, nothing really changed with Noah fan versus previous. Yep. Bills 24 chiefs 20 Adam, what you got from this game? Well, I mean, what don't I have for you in this game? I wish we would have had more, more points. Um, Bills get the ball drive right down the field. And then there's, I don't know if the play to McKenzie was supposed to be a read option. And then I don't know if Josh panicked and tried to flip it to him, but McKenzie did his best to lose this game for the, for the yeah, Bills. fumbles that one drops one in the end zone, drops one later. Like what to get this, this guy off the field. Okay. Uh, but no, I mean, you just saw everything that you needed to see. I mean, Josh Allen, what can't, what can he do? He runs over you, through you, around you, throws it over you. And then takes selfies with your kids after the Take game. selfies with your kids. I mean, he's incredible. He's there's, there's not a quarterback in the league that can do anything better than Josh Allen. So uh, yeah, if you drafted him as QB one, he's going to be QB one again for the third year in a row, which has only been done twice before. Let's get it four or five straight years. Let's go for, let's go for the whole thing. So he should um, be running for governor of New York right now. He would win in a landslide. <laughs> a- absolutely. It would definitely um, be a step down in job for him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So Isaiah McKenzie had a terrible game and he also played well behind Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis saw some time go to Khalil Shakir at the way he performed. I mean, you know, jokes aside, it should yeah. get more Khalil Shakir into the game because Isaiah McKenzie has to show that there's a reason for him to be on the field more than he was yesterday. He certainly didn't show that in that game. Right, right. And Shakir, Shakir looks, looks, looks better. I mean, he only got two targets, but he looked good. Um, I think they're just trying to work him into the offense. That was like a playoff game for, for, for the Bills. That's their that's their rival. They weren't gonna it's gonna be hard to let a rookie get rolling in that game. But they're going into a bye week now. Maybe they come out of the bye week and Shakir gets more involved. Gabe Davis was was doing, you know, his normal thing, four to six targets, scoring, uh, gets one-on-one coverage with it with, with a rookie corner, t- touchdown. Diggs was was incredible. Gabe Davis still doesn't look 
he doesn't look back to full speed. He's not hobbling, but his explosiveness just doesn't seem to seem to be there. It's he's it's doing well enough. Last week he had two big plays, but even Diggs, Stefan Diggs on social media was ripping on, on him because he looked so slow. Uh, <laughs> Gabe Gabe Davis. So we'll see. Maybe he gets the bye week. He gets right. But this offense is just awesome. Josh Allen's the best. Devin Singletary also dominated backfield playing time in this one. So um, he'll be getting the snaps as long as they're not 37 points ahead of opponents, which unfortunately is going to happen at times. If you are trying to use Devin Singletary in the other backfield, Jarek McKinnon played more snaps than Clyde Edwards Elair for the third time in four games. You hate that as CEH owner. It's not quite to the point of making McKinnon usable unless you're really hard up for a running back, just something to be aware of. And, you know, one of those reasons that you keep trying to shop, um, CEH, if he's still on your team. Yeah. CEH kind of, um, you know, the kind of the shine is worn off. He had a, you know, he was great for the first couple of weeks as far as production, fantasy production, but now it's back to like this, this, but you can't start any of them. So it's, it's not like, Oh, okay, well we'll go ahead and start McKinnon. What you need uh, is an, is some sort of injury to that backfield or something where, where it's down to a, to a two man backfield. But uh, not, not that Pacheco is doing a ton, but you know, it's, it would just nice to see them, um, kind of get Edwards Lair or McKinnon involved. So you, at least you can start one of them. But uh, yeah, it's, it was ugly, ugly backfield usages this week. We do have San Francisco as the matchup next week. I don't think that that's an opponent likely to jump out to a lead, but we'll see if they don't, then we could get, you know, more usage for Clyde Edwards Lair before the game. I don't know, gets out of hand one way or the other. So we'll see. I mean, you, you can still use CEH, but he's more like RB25 than RB16 and certainly not anywhere near where his fantasy point total still is for the season. Agreed. Big game for Juju Smith-Schuster, which had to have you both happy and <laughs> angry at the time that it was happening, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's nice to see. You know, it's one of those where... You know, it's, he's been, he hasn't been terrible. It's not like he's been a, a, a Allen Robinson where it's just nothing makes sense. Like Juju's, they've been getting him a little bit more involved. He just had, he hadn't, he hadn't scored yet. And so he kind of got, I don't want to say lucky, but you know, he somehow broke three tackles and scored on like a 40 yarder. But the good thing about him is they were using him as like, they would use a number one receiver. They're lining him up outside. They were throwing quick fades to him. They were throwing him as like the primary read in a normal passing offense, rather than trying to like gimmick and scheme up stuff for him that way. So that was good to see them start to do that. Um, and, and Juju could capitalize on it. again. He's not a great player, but you know, if he's the number one receiver for Patrick Mahomes, obviously outside of Travis Kelsey, then he's going to have more weeks like this, you know? So five targets is, is, isn't great, but he scores that, that long one and has, has his, has his biggest game of the year. Yeah. And it was only Travis Kelsey that had more targets than that among Chiefs yesterday. So give me a quick replay. What was it like for super fan, Adam Krautwurst, super fan of the bills and super fan <laughs> of Juju Smith Schuster and fantasy this year to watch the 42 yard catch and run touchdown. It was, it was, well, it was interesting. Cause so I'm watching, I was at a, a party that I never should, should have been at <laughs> and I'm there and I'm, so I'm watching red zone on my phone and we're watching the bills game on, on the TV and uh, my phone is, is ahead of the, the TV. So I knew Juju scored before the rest of the party. So I kind of had like 30 seconds to kind of get my composure and kind of like, okay. And, that, and then I'm checking rosters. Like, okay, I'm gonna make sure I started him in all the spots. I should have started him. And I did. So it was, it was fine. Listen, I knew the bills were going to win. It's Josh Allen. I, I wanted a shootout. I started all my chiefs, all my bills score 70 points. Um, the good thing about this game from a full size fantasy perspective though, was that like all the, you know, all the major players were, were, were the guys that scored. You had Diggs, you had Gabe Davis, Josh Allen, Juju, Kelsey, and Mahomes. So kind of the ancillary pieces stunk, but if you started the studs, you, you were happy. I was pissed because I had to use MVS in one spot. And then touchdown we had called back. one that looked like a touchdown <laughs> called back by a penalty. Then the other one where he had the end zone target and Kier Elam just stole it away from him as an interception. Like, all right, forget it. I guess maybe I shouldn't have used Marquez Valdez scaling, even (laughs) if I have to. That's right. Uh, Anything else from that game? Um, No, I think that's it. Eagles 26, Cowboys 17 last night. It was a light passing game for the Eagles. They didn't need to do a whole lot. We knew that Dallas is tough against the pass. So you know, if you had, did use either AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, you got touchdowns there. Tough to complain. Dallas Goddard struggled, but, you know, got five targets. Wasn't much of a chance to do a whole lot. We got another 18 carries for Miles Sanders, so he continues to control that backfield. Obviously, nice to see him get that kind of work, scored a touchdown when the team is ahead. And this looks like a team that's going to spend plenty of time ahead. Yeah, no, and their schedule looks looks sweet coming up. I mean, yeah, it's it. 
Kelly Scott was a bit of a bummer. I'd like to see him kind of get more in a game like, like that, but five, five targets is fine. Yeah. This offense has so many, so many ways, ways to beat you. They can ground and pound you. They can, they can spread you out and beat you with AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. They can, you know, Jalen Hurts can run all over you. So this Eagles offense is awesome. Their defense is great. They're the, they're the NFC version of the Buffalo Bills. You and I, man, I got it. We got to take, we got to travel to Arizona in a couple months here and enjoy that. Enjoy that game together. But, um, but yeah, I think I'm going to save $10,000 and watch it from my house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. We we just got to win some more of these underdog over unders. It'll pay for it. Come on. Um, but no, a little bit disappointing as far as from a fantasy perspective from the whole team, from where they kind of started, but, um, the offense kind of slowed down there. This is in the second half. Yeah. On the Dallas side, we got more touches for Tony Pollard in the kind of game that you would expect to get him more touches. The playing time was still at 40%. So he didn't get on the field anymore, but did get the ball coming his way. We'll see if that's just how it goes when Dallas is playing from behind, or if there's any kind of shift to get him the ball more going forward, we should at least get Dak Prescott back for this offense in week seven, which, you know, it's been nice that Cooper rush has kept the Cowboys from tanking, in the five games since Dak Prescott went down, but obviously everything is better for the Dallas offense. If Dak Prescott is back in charge, who the hell is Peyton Hendershot? Okay, <laughs> what, I, who the heck is that guy? No, I, 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 I completely, I completely agree that. Yeah, everything's better. Um, the ceiling, I think is certainly better. It was nice to see lamb with such a slow start. end up, I think he ended up with like 12 fantasy points, which is nice. In a game like that, you're like, my God, just get me to double digits here in the fourth, fourth quarter. But Lamb Lamb got there. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for Ferdak to come back and kind of get all these pieces back up there where, where they should be. Yeah, probably the last chance to buy CeeDee Lamb before Dak Prescott comes back. And by the way, we had news on this show last week with Matt Rule getting fired. We got more Carolina Panthers news right now because I just saw it reported <laughs> that the Cardinals have traded for Robbie Anderson. Yes. We've got Robbie Anderson about to be an Arizona Cardinal for this Thursday night game. I wonder if that also points to the severity of the foot injury with Marquise Brown. I mean, I doubt that you had to trade a whole lot to get Robbie Anderson right now. So it could just be like a, why not? We'll bring in somebody else to try to help things get right here. But I mean, there's immediate opportunity for him in an offense. That's terrible. Yeah. How good is that for, 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 for Kyler? I mean, now you got, you got Rod. I mean, when, when all the pieces are there, Holy cow, they're, they're going to be deep. They're going to be fast. Um, yeah. I don't think that helps. That does kind of, um, points and maybe Marquise Brown being a little, a little bit of trouble there, which stinks. Cause I do have quite a bit of Marquise Brown and he's been playing really, really well this year. So we'll see moving forward, but that's, an, that's an, an interesting trade. Uh, maybe that's just the first chip to fall for the, for, for the, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, certainly a predictable chip. I think we're sure. all like, Oh, they're selling guys. I bet they would like to give Robbie Anderson to somebody. Well, yeah. well interesting about Robbie too. Like they, I watched an interview with him last week before the game and they were talking about Matt rule being funny. He, Robbie just looked miserable. Distant, didn't want to answer the question. Just didn't even want to talk to anybody. And he looked like he didn't even know where he was. He was in the locker room, just like, you know, looking around like, he's an he, odd dude. He's an, uh, such an, I mean, look at he's such an odd dude. <laughs> I always like the video clip of him when he was in his first season with the Panthers and saw the mascot up in the upper deck. And he's like, yo, what's that black bear up there? (laughs) You're on the Carolina Panthers. What animal do you think that's supposed to be? What a goofball. (laughs) At least it tends to be fun as opposed to uh, anything worrisome. All right. Anything else from this Philly Dallas game before we close out? No, I mean, uh, interesting. Dallas was able to pound the ball. They, uh, I think Zeke and Pollard both hit their overs on rushing and rushing yards. And so uh, good, good, good for them. Uh, Zeke still looks terrible. Pollard needs the ball more, but other than that, uh, let's get Dak back. I don't think Zeke looks terrible. I think he looks like a, a running back who's on his second contract and doesn't have a whole lot of time, but he's, you know, it's not like he gets the ball and falls over, especially last night. I thought he was uh, solid. Yeah, he's just he runs pure for for three yards. I'll go give him that. There you go. I do. I certainly agree that they need to get um, Tony Pollard more touches. I don't know why last night's usage is not the typical for him, especially over a span where they don't have their starting quarterback. But I mean, we knew as soon as they hired Mike McCarthy that we were going to be asking ourselves questions like that along the way. That's true. It was he was the one who used to limit. Um, Aaron Jones for getting Jamal Williams more touches, right? In Green Bay. Yeah, got to. I mean, come on. I mean, it makes sense. 
All right. That's going to do it for the week six recap pod. Before we get any other coaches fired or players traded, you can head over to draftsharks.com. Now you can find showdown tips for tonight's slate, the chargers Broncos game to close out week six. You can also find more recaps from all of the week six games in our free shark bites section. Then you'll find us looking ahead to week seven. Our rankings for week seven will go live midday Tuesday. We will have free agent focus articles for leagues of all sizes, including IDP formats. And we've got our third buy sell hold report of the season coming Wednesday. Adam, you guys got anything special on the docket for the Wednesday night um, show with Mike? Yeah, the Wednesday night deep bat. Hopefully, we'll see if Mike's still in first place in the Draft Sharks Invitational. My guy, Mike, and then uh, we'll go over some waiver wire uh, ads you can make for your Wednesday night waiver runs and then the high stakes leagues. And we'll cover some topics from from, from this week. Maybe even uh, maybe even the Arizona Cardinals getting Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I might have time to digest that by then. That's right. Or Adam Krautwurst, the entire Draft Sharks crew. I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.